is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. McKnight. Good morning, happy Saturday, and welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. We've got a, an hour-long show for you, packed with goodies here during the lockout season. Yes, nothing stops White Sox Weekly, especially, especially not an MLB lockout. Lots to get to, uh, and a great guest planned. One of my absolute favorite baseball writers in the country is Mark Gonzalez. He writes for the Daily Herald. He's our guest at 9.30. Gonzo is deluxe. He's covered the White Sox for a good long while, including during their uh, you know, 2000s run, that whole thing. You know, the World Series championship, that whole deal in 2005. Uh, Flip Beats for a little while is now with the Daily Herald and covers every Every side of Major League Baseball. Again, he's, he's our guest at 9.30. Uh, we'll get to the news and notes a little bit later on in the show. Believe it or not, there are a couple little newses and noteses in Major League Baseball, despite the fact that nobody can sign any Major League players. Minor leaguers are eligible uh, or players eligible for minor league contracts. And there's a couple there that we'll get to uh, of some interest. I'll get you an update on the lockout in just a little bit. We want to talk Hall of Fame voting as well. And I'll tell you, you know, we'll get to this a little bit later on in the show because I want to give it as much breathing room as is possible. And and it's a really interesting story. And and the man himself had such an impact on baseball uh, for the last 70 years. Roland Heeman, uh, former White Sox general manager, three-time executive of the year in Major League Baseball, passed away at the age of 92 Back on the 13th. And this is our first time to get a chance to talk about him uh, since his passing on White Sox Weekly. And uh, the, the man's legacy in and of itself would take much more than an hour to talk about. But Gonzo knew him just a little bit. So we'll talk to him about Roland at the, in the 930 spot um, and new guys who were affected by Heeman in baseball, um, a legendary scout and executive and White Sox general manager, led the White Sox through some pretty dark times in the 70s. I mean, there was talk of relocation uh, for the White Sox when Heeman took over as general manager. So uh, we'll tell his story a little bit and remember the man. And, and a really cool thing, too, uh, Roland was uh, honored by the Hall of Fame in 2011. And the Hall of Fame itself put out not an obit necessarily, but just kind of a remembrance about Roland Heeman. They produced it, threw it out on YouTube, and the thing's uh, not gotten as many views as I think it ought to. Maybe the lockout has something to do with baseball searches on YouTube, but we'll play it for you before we get out of here on the show. I thought it was just a really nice, um, really nice way of remembering the man's career and his impact on the game we all love. That's the plan for the show. Your phone calls, as always, 312-332-3776. You can hit the mailbag. It's brand new. Connor at ESPN Shy. That's E-S-P-N-C-H-I dot com. Connor at ESPN Shy. Hit the mailbag. Leave us your questions. Ask us anything, uh, and we'll get to the mailbag at some point, probably before New Year's, and then we'll let it fill back up a little bit and get to it after February and 
I come back from the honeymoon and that whole thing. It'll be fun. It'll be a blast. Tyler Aki is our producer. Jake Cantu is here as well. When there's two producers on White Sox Weekly, that either means I've been doing something wrong or we've got a new hire. So uh, congratulations, Jake, and welcome into the show. You can secure your spot at Guaranteed Rate Field next season with a 2012. That just assumes I haven't done anything wrong. I just realized that. I may have done something wrong. Tyler, are we okay? we're good, right? We're good. All I right, mean, we're cool. clock discipline. You, you brought that up clock, during Waddle clock and discipline. Sylvie, but, Sure, yeah. clock discipline. That's a problem. But I'll, we'll get there. It's fine. Jake's here to drop the hammer on you. Secure, right? yeah, good cop, bad cop. That's what we need. Secure your spot at Guaranteed Rate Field next season with a 2022 ticket package. Catch the biggest matchups and enjoy 2022 postseason opportunities, flexible payment plans, and more for more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. Here's where the lockout is at, or at least the latest that we can give you. And I, and I told you, I'm not going to – I don't think there's any reason to beat you over the head over where the lockout's at or where this conversation's going. But I do think, you know, updates every now and again make some sense. It's the biggest story in baseball or biggest non-story in baseball, depending on which way you look at it. Evan Drellich, who writes for The Athletic and does a darn good job of covering the league, wrote this up just a little while ago. There is an update. Um, neither party, the league or the Players Association, are going to talk about economic-based issues until after the first of the year. Now, yeah, that feels like a little bit of a setback in those conversations. And that, I think it's an expected setback. I know those two things are paradoxes. They don't really make a lot of sense. You can't have a setback if you've expected it. That's just what you would think is going to happen. Um, but I, I get where we're, we're all headed here. They did meet, apparently, these two sides of the coin on Thursday and talked about some non-core economic issues. I'm not entirely sure what those things are like, but it's, you know, think of the whole CBA as a big binding agreement And there are T's to cross and lowercase J's to dot. Maybe they talked about which T's and which lowercase J's. Maybe they talked about some non-economic things that they'd like to clear up. Things that are easier to talk about. Things that don't have the kind of contentiousness that the larger economic issues carry around with them. So that's kind of the latest on where the lockout is at Here's hoping that we won't miss games. Here's hoping that we get spring training started at least relatively on time. Uh, in case you've missed it and only been checking in every now and again, there have been a couple of reports earlier on and as the lockout got started that both sides are seeing February 1st as kind of a, a soft deadline. We'll see if that works. Obviously, pitchers and catchers report right around Valentine's Day, as they always do. And then the first spring training games start February 26th. The hope is that entire spring training can be completed, started, and and then completed. There's a little wiggle room there, I think. If some spring training were cut off or unable to start on time, I think we could still have a season, a full run of 162 games. If you start getting into, you know, later into February or well into March, Obviously, things could change. Uh, the most important thing after getting the, the CBA agreed to is uh, getting a healthy run-up into the season for all players concerned. We've seen, obviously, what a shortened spring training or a stopped and started spring training can do, all thanks to COVID. But we don't want that 
again. That's for sure. Hey, one other thing that's going on in, in baseball in and around is the uh, the Hall of Fame voting. Now, we talked about the golden days era of voting that had Manny Minoso go in and Jim Cott and Buck O'Neill and uh, a handful of other players got in in the what's you know kind of the veterans committee sort of stuff but the ballots are out and going around if you don't know ryan thibodeau on twitter get familiar the guy's been keeping a log of public hall of fame ballots for i don't know 15 years something like that probably longer um and there are only 30 public ballots right now so i won't take you through the numbers of who's in and who's out and all that kind of stuff but on the other side of a break i want to get into two different things um baseball related one is a conversation about the Hall of Fame itself, and I'll, I'll set you up this way because I've been thinking about this for a little bit, and I know that this doesn't necessarily concern, you know, the, the White Sox roster as it sits, right, or or, or where they're going to re, uh, reinforce the team or anything like that. But the Hall of Fame is a, it's as baseball a topic as anything else. We live and breathe for this stuff during the winter because it is a conversation not only of where baseball's headed in the future, but our past as baseball consumers, as baseball fans, as White Sox diehards, right? I know a lot of people, I, I saw it on Twitter, when Dick Allen wasn't inducted into the Hall of Fame through the Veterans Committee, he missed by one vote. I mean, it was just, again, we're going, my God, I, I, the guy was briefly a White Sox. And even still, Sox fans who saw him then know what he was to baseball and the advanced number you know some of the sabermetric stuff some of the different ways not even all that advanced but some of the different ways we look at the sport has validated dick allen not that he needed a whole lot of validation as a hall of fame level player (laughs) and the guy ought to be honored as such i'm a bigger hall kind of guy i think that's that's kind of where i'm headed here i'm a bigger hall kind of guy i'm kind of an indiana jones hall of fame guy it belongs in a museum I think the museum should be just a little bit bigger than it is right now. But this Hall of Fame vote, as it stands, it's got guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling. And they're kind of taking the fun out of the Hall of Fame vote. Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz, it's kind of taking the fun out of our Hall of Fame voting. So when we come back on the other side, I want to talk about a few things. We'll get to the news and notes segment. We'll talk about this Hall of Fame ballot. And I, I want to place Todd Helton against Barry Bonds. We'll tell you more when we come back. 312-332-3776. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Lindy McDaniel many times in the National League. There's a long drive, deep center, way back at my face. It's going to be, hey, almost into the net. Holy cow. Richie Allen hit one into the the center field stand. I almost got it with my net. It hit a fan's hand right in front of me. Harry Carey on the call, of course. Dick Allen taking one deep for the White Sox. It was, uh, I think that was the fourth home run ever hit into the center field stands uh, in that ballpark in Comiskey. So that's pretty cool. And the highlight's awesome. I, I don't know what it is. I, I, 
I'm not an audiophile or anything like that. I should call Len and ask him, or maybe Tyler. You know, you know, you get these old highlights and whatever the 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 the, the audiophile is it right? The, the the fidelity. There's a scratchiness to old baseball yep. highlights. Mm-hmm. That scratchiness alone makes me nostalgic. It's almost as good as the crack of the bat. I never even watched that stuff. I'm too young for that. I, I'm old, but I'm too young for that. And I've never seen highlights that look like that. Right. Like, not live. I didn't watch baseball when it sounded like that. But it still makes me feel nostalgic <laughs> oh, for yeah. baseball. It's I that didn't little, see. The little hiss that you got in the it's, background it's there. It's wild. It's By absolutely wild. By the way, question wild. for you. Feel free. you've done many a baseball game in your life. Have you caught a ball? Uh, broadcast. I have not caught a ball, a foul ball off the bat of Abraham Almonte with a fastball pitched by, um, oh, not Jake Peavy. It was, uh, oh, uh, big game James, James Shields. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nearly killed me uh, <laughs> in the pre and post game booth back in 2000. I want to say that was 17. I, it's, since you've asked, I'll tell the story. I think I've told it before. So Ed and DJ are doing the game, uh, and it's early on. Shields is throwing a lot of ground balls. And there was a stolen base earlier in the game. I want to say like in the second inning or something like that. So we're like in the fifth, something like that. And Amante's up. It's the White Sox and then Cleveland Indians, now Cleveland Guardians. And there was a stolen base early in the game. The the scoring got changed on it from a stolen base to uh, whatever it was, an error like or something like that. Yeah, something. I think it was okay. a wild pitcher, an error, something, one of the two. And I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, and I wasn't calling the game. I was doing pre and post. So I looked down because it's like, okay, it's James Shields and Abraham Almonte. Shields takes a little bit of time to get the ball to the plate. He just got the ball. I've got a little bit of time before he throws his next pitch to Almonte for the 2-2. So I look down, and I go to change the scoring, and Shields quick pitches Almonte. <laughs> so I hear the crack of the bat. But it didn't, and you know, you you go to enough baseball. This isn't. This is. I guess it's a humble brag, but it's not mm-hmm. really. Like you go to enough games, and you hear the crack of the bat, and you know, okay, that's in play. That's not in play. I kind of you can kind of tell, not yeah. with like a hundred percent accuracy, but you kind of know. And I heard the crack, and I thought, hmm, I don't think that's in play. And I'm looking down, and I change the thing, and all of a sudden, I hear, I feel, and hear the seams buzz by my ear. <laughs> it lands in the drywall behind me and puts a hole through it that is still there to this day. I didn't. I didn't. I came this close. I came a hair's breadth from death. <laughs> I mean, it would. My head was down. DJ puts his mic down and comes over in the because he thought he couldn't see me because my head was down because I was scoring. Right. Mm-hmm. So he thought, well, we lost Connor. That's yep. it. Mm-hmm. We, that was. He's done a great Open job. Open applications now. That'll mm-hmm. do it. We're gonna need a new pre and post game host. <laughs> so he came in and his eyes are wide and he's like, oh my, like, dude, are you okay? And I look over and Ed's looking at me and he's just kind of clapping his hands like, put your hands up, son. Like this is, <laughs> watch the ball. How hard is this? You have one job. And DJ's like actually like worried about me. So that was one. Moncada fouled a ball up once. Len and DJ had like four or five baseballs come back into the stands or back into the booth Mm -hmm. in the span of a week and a half. But in my non-professional baseball watching career, I have never caught a foul ball. I had one go off my fingertips Mm -hmm. at a Wisconsin Timber Rattlers game. Okay. And it landed in the lap of a man who was working on his laptop the entire game. So it's like a fever pitch situation there. He's on the phone. It lands in his lap and he goes, oh, honey. I just got a foul ball. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm 18, losing my mind. Like, that was it. I had a chance. I fumbled a, a Tim Anderson ball this year. What? And I'm oh. very, very ashamed of oh, it. Oh, no. Very who, ashamed of who it. Who got it? Someone down the row. I fumbled it. 
It was a mess. That's tough. It was a mess. And then there's there's the next part too. Like I, my brother and I did this uh, big baseball film. My brother and I would do this when we were going to games as, as kids or whatever, twenty year olds, that kind of thing. Okay, if you get a foul ball, do you have to give it to a kid? Are there kids mm-hmm. around me? Do I have to? You know, you take a look. You know, like, right. is, he, is he old enough or young enough to? Do I have yeah. to give it to him? <laughs> He's twelve. He'd probably outrun me for a foul ball, so I don't need to give it to him. Here's my gauge, all right? This is the perfect way to do this. If they've got a glove with them, yeah. you give it to them. Yeah. If yeah. they have a glove, and you they're young enough. You shouldn't be bringing a glove to a game if you're an adult, I think. Now, obviously, the nets down to the foul poles have changed the etiquette on right. this a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Or if you are an adult, a grown man, and you've brought a mitt to a baseball game, it has to be enormous. It should It should be the size of a soccer goal. Because you should yes. you should be saddled with that. Mm-hmm. You should have to work with that the entire rest of the game. Yes. That's what it should be. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we got to this, but I want to talk about the Hall of Fame a little. Thank you, Tyler. Appreciate you. Oh, uh, here's the other thing. Give the gift of White Sox baseball with a holiday pack. Starts at 79 bucks. Get six ticket vouchers to 56 different home games during the 2022 regular season, along with an exclusive White Sox hat and scarf set. I've got the hat. It's really nice. Very warm. Visit WhiteSox.com slash holiday packs to purchase yours today. So Hall of Fame voting's out. Um, we're going to get to the news and notes segment in a little bit. We'll talk a bit about um, talk a bit about Roland Heeman, too, with our guest Mark Gonzalez in just a few. Uh, why don't we slide a phone call in real quick before we get to all of it? Because George is called, and it's early. So, George, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's up, my man? How you doing? Hanging in there, George. Hanging in there is good. Don't fall. <laughs> Fair enough. What's on your mind? So here's the deal with these uh, with these talks. You've you've ignored Murphy's laws. <laughs> the Murphy's law, of course, is anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Well, see, that's number three. And when you get to number three, it's too late to realize what one and two are. You see, which would have kept you away from number three. Number one is nothing is as easy as it looks. Number two, everything, everything, everything takes longer and costs more than you think it will. <laughs> and then number three is that's not funny. And number three is if anything can go wrong, that's the one you know. See? Sure. You got to get in front of number one and number two. So this thing's going to take longer than you think it will, and they'll be arguing right up until spring training is underway, and then there's going to be arm twisting. But basically, what, what where you lose me is these are a bunch of multimillionaires yeah. arguing with other multimillionaires. Oh, yeah, some billionaires in some cases, yeah, okay. with the others. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a gigantic pee-pee contest, and they're arguing about who gets millions and who gets less millions than the other guy and for me how how is that how is that different from a lot of other businesses though george like that's isn't that business well see there's there's a there's a cascade effect to any business decision okay that's a given but for me hey you guys don't want to play baseball and let me watch a game and read millions and millions of dollars if that's okay with me I don't care. You know, you want to be like that, but you want to be ignorant and uh, money grubbing and arguing they, about it. How are they? How 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 are they being ignorant? I mean, this is their livelihood. This well, is they're the best in the world one, at what this is. They're wielding their money power. You see, they're, they're, I'm sorry. They're willing their money power. All right, all right. If you had the the head of the owners and the head of the players' association sitting there, and you say to them, uh, "Square one, why aren't you?" Uh, 
agreeing on stuff right now. Why are why are you waiting? Well, it's money. Well, it's well, that's not the point. They're waiting because they think they both think that there's going to be an advantage if they sit on their hands. The longer they sit on their hands, the greater their advantage will be. Well, sure, that's, that's negotiation. Well, that's the arbitrator's supposed to say, "Get your ass in here." There is no arbitrator. Well, that's the problem then. You need somebody to give them a a foot up their south end so that they do something. Well, because, George, I think I think you ought to do it. Well, uh, they wouldn't pay me. They're not smart enough to hire somebody. Oh, George, you, so you just you wouldn't do it unless it's unless the money's there. So you'd hold hey, out. Listen, like I said, they're not smart enough to hire me. Thanks, George. I appreciate you. It's about getting. It's about getting something done. That's all. All right. Thanks, George. <laughs> appreciate you. It's all about the money. Just follow it. That's all you got to do. All right. Uh, let's do this instead of the uh, Hall of Fame talk. We'll hold that for later because George called and um, we talked to George. Let's get to the news notes. White Sox Weekly now brings you live correspondence from the far realms of the baseball universe. Everything from seams to batteries. And anything from cash considerations to dirty inning situations. Here's young Connor McKnight. Thank you, big voice guy. A couple of news, a couple of notes. Uh, players are still eligible uh, to sign minor league deals because minor leaguers aren't part of the union, and you can do that kind of business. Jimmy Cordero, Jimmy Biceps, is formerly a White Sox. He is now a member of the New York Yankees minor leaguers. He signed a minor league deal with the Yankees uh, just a couple of days ago. Nomar Mazzara, former White Sox, a minor league deal with the Padres. He's got an invite to spring training as well. Saw this, and it was interesting. Uh, I, I just said you can't do major league business except for, apparently, uh, getting Justin Verlander's contract done. The reports are that that you know Verlander had a two-year deal, I think 25 mil apiece with the Houston Astros. And it didn't. the, the contract itself didn't get settled until the lockout had started. But... Major League Baseball allowed that contract to get worked out. And I, I know that's a little vague, but that's that's all we've found out because there was a holdup on Major League Baseball's side of things. The two sides, player and team, had submitted the work, apparently. Uh, Major League Baseball didn't, I, I don't know, uh, three-hole punch the proper materials. I, I'm not sure, but they got that done. There is a caveat, though, uh, or a rider for his second-year option. He's got to pitch 130 innings in his first year to get the second, which I found interesting. I mean, here we are in a lockout. Here we are in, a, in another COVID surge. I, I wonder. I don't know this. I don't think anybody's asked this. I haven't read it. I wonder if those 130 innings would change if the season itself were altered some, either by lockout or COVID or what have you. I wonder if those are prorated just a little bit. Uh, Carlos Correa was uh, unsigned by the time of the lockout, and we just saw a couple of reports. I thought it was interesting. Uh, ESPN's Buster Olney reported that the Tigers, who did sign Javi Baez to a six-year, $140 million contract, had offered a 10-year, $275 million contract to Carlos Correa at one point. Now that, you know, given what Corey Seager got, seems, and given what Marcus Semien got, that seems a little light for Carlos Correa. Certainly it's a lot of money, but it seems a little light in going rates for a guy who's as elite defensively as he is. Uh, still unsigned, obviously, but he's going to be one of the biggest pieces, probably the best free agent out there. We'll see where he goes. Now, we're going to talk to Mark Gonzalez in just a moment, but 
The big news that concerned the White Sox over the last week or so was that longtime Major League executive Roland Heeman passed away uh, back on the uh, eve of December 12th and into December 13th, just after our last show, really. Commissioner Rob Manfred uh, released a statement about Roland. He was one of the most respected executives that our game has ever known. He served the Chicago White Sox, the Baltimore Orioles as a general manager, was a staple of the Arizona Diamondbacks front office throughout their history, also worked for the Boston and Milwaukee Braves, the California Angels, the Commissioner's Office, and USA Baseball during his exemplary career. Roland was a pivotal figure in the formation and growth of the Arizona Fall League. As a personal note, one of my favorite places to go watch baseball. More importantly, he mentored countless people in our sport and found ways to make our game stronger. Roland Heeman was a great gentleman whose contributions to our national pastime will never be forgotten. Roland is at least in part responsible for bringing guys like Tony La Russa, Dave Dombrowski, Jim Leland, Doug Melvin, Walt Jockety, and Kenny Williams into the, not into baseball necessarily, but into the prominence that each one of those men has had over their careers, uh, and he will not be forgotten. Mark Gonzalez of the Daily Herald joins us after a quick break to talk about Roland Heeman and a couple other things in and around baseball. Gonzo's next. It's uh, White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. So when you get to the park early, guaranteed rate field, and you head down to your seats, you see a group of people kind of milling about the White Sox dugout, just kind of standing on the dirt out in front of the railing. They're talking to some people in uniform. They're talking to some other people. Some are checking their phones. All of them talking about baseball. Mark Gonzalez is one of those guys. He's been covering the White Sox for a good long while and now writes him up at the Daily Herald. You should go find his latest article. Uh, It is, well, it's not the latest article, but the one he wrote on Roland Heemond after Roland passed away December 12th into December 13th is a real good one. Full of fun stories. Mark Gonzalez is one of my absolute favorites to talk baseball with. Gonzo, good morning. Thanks so much for coming on the show, my man. Thanks for the kind words. Always, always. You're deluxe. You know it. Uh, I wanted to ask, I, you know, Roland, it, it's, he's well-remembered, I think, by a lot of older White Sox fans. Um, I remember the, the first time Roland Heeman and, and his legacy was kind of brought into my mind, just kind of walking from the broadcast booth into uh, the barge room where, where you get your meals up there. You pass the champagne-soaked suit that Roland wore the night the White Sox clinched their spot in 1983. Heeman was the general manager then. That suit is behind glass. It's literally framed at the ballpark, and it's never leaving its spot. Um, When you remember Roland, uh, his impact on baseball, and those that you've known around the game, like Dan Evans and Kenny Williams and Tony La Russa, what comes to mind first? Uh, just the, the names are endless. I mean, the, the average Joe is probably impacted by Rowan Heeman. I mean, young kids, I just remember uh, all the winter meetings walking through the lobbies, and, and a lot of executives uh, walk through the lobbies quick. They don't want to talk to many people unless it's a, a, a arranged in advance, and they're usually avoiding young job seekers. But Rowan always stopped and talked to young kids. He wasn't afraid of his position. He helped everybody from executives 
to uh, interns. He, he was amazing. Just the, the consummate people person. He was a, uh, a special exec and advisor for the White Sox as they made the uh, Roland was uh, when they made their World Series run in 2005. What was his impact to that team, and and what's his value as 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 a guy later on in his career that was such a such a part of that organization at the time? Well, I think there was a buildup leading to that, and when they brought Rowan uh, back to the organization, I believe in two thousand one, um, he he ate. You know, Kenny Williams was was the general manager at the time. Uh, he'll probably tell you that he's a much better executive now than he was then just because of the experience and, and some of that was uh from Rowan and and you look at some of the people who are still there you know Rick Hahn uh I'm sure Rowan's knowledge uh rubbed off on those guys and and have helped put the White Sox where they're at right now with greater ambitions but uh everybody has learned from Rowan whether it be you know just a, a little kernel of knowledge or a library of knowledge he's he's been there for a lot of people can you share the story i know you talked with dan evans about this can you share the story that dan evans shared with you about the tom siever signing with roland heeman at the helm yeah the, the tom siever story is fascinating because uh the circumstances that led to him them acquiring him in a free agent compensation pool and, and they're examining all the the rosters from other teams, and, and they were uh, awarded a pick, and it just seemed like the Mets did not protect Seaver, assuming that his age and salary were uh, non-starters right there. But, you know, the White Sox were rolling at the time, no pun intended, and they saw him available, and uh, they, they, picked, they decided to pick him late at night, and this is in January. You know, the, uh, the executives work uh, year-round, and we're at the old uh, Comiskey Park at the time. So uh, they decided about 1 a.m., uh, hey, we're going to pick them the next day. And so they go out to Dan's car. Remember, Dan's maybe 23, 24 at the time. He's not driving a, a Cadillac or Porsche. He, he was very uh, <laughs> modest about describing his car, just saying it's what you expect from a young kid uh, who's just trying to make ends meet. And they get to the car, and it's virtually destroyed with you know, smashed in a few sides. Uh, the windows are smashed. Oh no! And and we're in the middle of the night where they got to clear snow as well as the glass. And so finally, uh, they're able to get in the car and able to get it going, but only at 20 miles an hour. And, and Dan's driving down Lakeshore Drive, taking Roland back to his Gold Coast residence, and thinking, "What am I getting into in all this?" And Roland, you know, who, who will find the, the most positive spot in, in a in a grim situation you know just said hey you're you're driving without a windshield we're getting tom siever <laughs> and, and that kind of t- took uh eased dan's mind into uh kind of what he was getting into but just you know the, the the payday at the end was he was part of a team that was making a huge acquisition the next day and and then it speaks to this roland's ability to look at the positive side of things i didn't know until i read your piece gonzo on the daily herald that heeman was such a supporter of scouts and some non-uniform personnel receiving pensions in the game. Uh, tell us a little bit about his work and, and kind of uh, his push for that. Well, I believe it was in the, in the 80s, and he spoke in front of all the owners, and uh, he, he was a, it was a very passionate speech just saying, don't forget these guys. Uh, and Rowan's, you know, he, he came through the ranks as a, as a minor league guy, 
Hartford, Connecticut, and then, you know, uh, with the Angels as a director of player personnel and all that, he did not forget the hard work that these scouts and minor league coaches and instructors put in, and they're not compensated nearly as well as major league coaches and managers. And uh, he insisted to these owners that, hey, don't forget these guys. Let's let's make sure there's there's a, a pot of, of silver at the end of the rainbow for these guys when they're done. And uh, to this day, many, many people uh, voice their appreciation for Roland and what he did for them, even though that pension might not be as lucrative as the major league pension. It's something there. So when they retired, uh, they had something to fall back on. Talking about the legacy of former White Sox GM and three-time MLB Executive of the Year, Roland Heeman, who passed away uh, December 13th with Mark Gonzalez of the Daily Herald here on White Sox Weekly. I, I saw, too, when when the news of, of Heeman's passing came around, I you know, I follow a lot of nerds, baseball nerds on, on Twitter, and I saw a lot of sabermetricians, you know, guys who are really into uh, the, the numbers of this game tweet out their remembrances of Roland. I guess he was, I, I don't want to say instrumental necessarily, but I guess he was really in touch with the Saber Society, both from a, a historical standpoint and from a numbers standpoint, Roland Heeman was. Yeah, he was. I mean, this is a guy that just wasn't uh, limited to the the, uniform, the people who wore uniforms. He understood the value of statistics, and, and especially as it relates to negotiations and, per, and forecasting uh, how a player will do. And uh, these guys were valuable. I mean, he had he had a couple of the, the Orioles later. Uh, you know, Danny was a guy who Evans was a guy that helped prepare him for 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 cases as an intern. Where you know, as far as salaries and all that, and, and player evaluation. Um, I thought you know, Rowan's greatest asset was he just wasn't you know a, a scout scout or, or a, you know manager's guy. He was for everybody. That's a that's a really cool part of of his his legacy, and I know he touched so many people in and around the game. I, I saw you got to hang out just a little bit with Bo Jackson and his Digs with Dignity nonprofit organization. That looked pretty cool. Bo going around and doing good things in the community. Yeah, it was uh, it was overwhelming because you, you go out there and you see a family who's uh, not living with the greatest of means. And to see Bo set these guys up for the ultimate surprise was was just really touching. You know, before they went into the, the uh, apartment, he just told uh, the mother and the kids, "Hey, you're going to be in for surprise, but you know, close your eyes." And to see the look on the kids' faces and the mother's face when they saw how their unit had been upgraded was just very touching. And then. I think the other thing was when Bo was telling the kids, hey, you have these toys, don't forget to put the toys away so you can play with them for a long time. So it, it, there was a message there as well, and that it speaks to Bo's you know, long-term care for people. That's really cool stuff. Digs with Dignity is the, uh, the nonprofit organization. The White Sox and Bo Jackson are involved. Go check out the story on thedailyherald.com if you want to learn more. Uh, Gonzo, I just wanted to touch quick, touch base quick about the Hall of Fame voting that's been going on for a little while here. I, you know, I, I just lament a bit that the conversation around the Hall of Fame has gotten less fun. And it, it's, it's, 
it's the fault of a lot of parties, right? I mean, Barry Bonds did what he did, Roger Clemens, Alex Rodriguez, uh, Sammy Sosa, so on and so forth, right? I mean, there's agency there. There is also agency with the Hall of Fame, you know, not kind of responding to the Writers Association request to expand the ballot to more than 10 possible votes. There's where where do you sit on, on the level of fun that the Hall of Fame voting has had for voters and, and, and really us baseball fans these last couple of years? It's a little more stressful. Uh, I should say a lot more stressful because I usually um, don't start crunching the candidacy, uh, the credentials and the numbers until December 15th. And, you know, some guys on my ballot are are just, they're non-starters because of some of the reasons you mentioned. And I I look back at the the list of criteria uh, for candidates and, you know, character is a big one for me, but to only as it relates to, you know, rules and cheating, uh, scarring the game mm-hmm. sort of thing. But I, I, I respect those who kind of say, well, these guys put up the numbers, so um, they should be entitled to strong consideration. But um, it just seems like it's become more militant that people's voters' opinions aren't aren't respected and, and you know, all of a sudden, you're 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 you should be pushed off the end of the earth. It just feels that way. And I know there's a lot of uh, factions out there, and some of them, you know, have have strong opinions, and I understand that. But it just seems like you either got to go one way or the other, or or forget it. You're 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 the dumbest voter of all time. I mean, let's face it, we got we got bigger issues in this in the, in the country, <laughs> and and people are just. Critics are just going off the deep end on this stuff, and it, that's that's where uh, I think it gets it gets a little frustrating for me. I'm with you there. You know me. I'm a big hall guy. I, I say put everybody in and and let the conversation be had. Like put it on the plaque. Let them know what Barry Bonds did, what he didn't do, and what he admitted to, and what he was uh, what he was punished for. On the other side of that, though, is here's here's what I can't quite square. Todd Helton has. You know, a very close to Hall of Fame career. And the conversation around Todd is always going to be, well, you never know what he would have been like away from Coors Field. That's fine. But why should Todd Helton, whose only sin was being drafted by the Colorado Rockies and being a longtime organ, a, a, a lifetime Rocky, why should his punishment for playing in the wrong ballpark for half his career be the exact same, not being allowed into the Hall of Fame, as a guy like Barry Bonds or Clemens or Schilling or Rodriguez, I I struggle with that. Please help me. I have the same issue with with closers and designated hitters. They're they're part of the game as well. And you know, if a guy has a, a bad shoulder and yet can still hit, you know, why penalize him because of a health issue? I, I was that way with Edgar Martinez. I voted for him for Hall of Fame because he was a uh, one of the the greatest DHs of all time, and and he couldn't play third because of a bad shoulder. But you know he shouldn't be penalized for that. Um, I'm, I'm with you there in, in some respects, and and closers are part of the game as well. I only voted for one closer this year, but um, I still value that 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 role because it is difficult, and you can see what happens in games. You don't have a good closer, forget it. Yeah. If teams are going to ask you to do that job, whether it's close or, or DH or, or what have you, then then I think the Baseball Hall of Fame needs to reflect that this is how baseball was. This is how baseball asked its players to perform in this era. Yeah, and that, that's that's another uh, subject too. That's that is up for great debate because the game's changing. Starters aren't going as deep 
as they used to. So does what Mark Burley did during his career, you know, when he had that great run of right. at least 200 innings, right. should that mean more? I mean, you, you got to think about that exactly. now. Exactly. Exactly. And I hope, you know, I hope for Burley's sake, he stays on the ballot for a little while because I think conversations like that one about him and about the era are important. Him being on the ballot keeps that conversation alive. Gonzo, appreciate you, my man. You're the best. Take care. You got it. Mark Gonzalez of the Daily Herald. Follow him on Twitter, MD Gonzalez. More White Sox Weekly when we come back. It's ESPN 1000. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White White Sox Sox Weekly. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. If you're already planning a special occasion at the ballpark, we've got you covered. When you lock in your group outing for 2022, you get priority to select the biggest matchups and to choose the best space for your group. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. We're almost out of here, but I I told you, you know, with the passing of Roland Heeman uh, earlier this week, uh, legendary MLB executive, three-time exec of the year, the guy who brought Dick Allen to the White Sox, Tom Seaver to the White Sox, led the Sox through a really difficult um, 1970s kind of decade and and difficult from a lot of different reasons. Um, The the team was close to moving at, at that point. And bringing that team, a 106-loss team, and turning it into an 87-win team in two years with the 77 Southside Hitmen and the 90 uh, and their 90-win season, increasing attendance, all that stuff, it was huge. So remembering Heeman is important. He was uh, honored by the Hall of Fame in 2011, and the Hall of Fame uh, put out this remembrance of Heeman's career, impact, and legacy on their website and through YouTube. I wanted you to hear it from the words of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Here it is. He transformed the fortunes of a handful of franchises and established a reputation as one of baseball's brightest minds. But among his peers, Roland Heeman was perhaps best known for the way in which he got to know them. Born October 26, 1929 in Central Falls, Rhode Island, Roland Heeman grew up a Red Sox fan and got his first job in baseball as a minor league stadium attendant in Hartford, Connecticut. He caught his big break as a scout with the Milwaukee Braves during their rise to prominence in the 1950s and was eventually hired as scouting director for the expansion Los Angeles Angels in 1961. Heeman received his first shot as general manager with the Chicago White Sox in 1970 and built a reputation among rival GMs as a man always looking to make a trade. Heeman's tenacity in the front office is often credited with saving baseball on the south side, as the White Sox dodged financial hardship and whispers of relocation to become American League contenders. In 1983, Chicago won the American League West and hosted its first playoff game in 34 years. Heeman's magic touch continued in his next post as Baltimore's GM, where he inherited the last place Orioles and built a team that would reach the 1996 ALCS. His next stop was in Phoenix, where he guided an expansion Arizona Diamondbacks franchise to a World Series title just four years after its first Major League game. Then Heeman returned to Chicago, 
advising the White Sox as they captured the 2005 Fall Classic, their first title in 88 years. Heeman finished his career in an advisory role with the Diamondbacks and continued to do what he was revered for, build relationships and foster talent. His most accomplished protégés include Hall of Fame manager Tony La Russa and pennant-winning executives Dave Dombrowski and Walt Jockety. But nearly everyone in baseball was touched in some way by his wisdom and his generosity. In 2011, Roland Heeman received the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum's Buck O'Neill Lifetime Achievement Award for his impact on the game. It's the National Baseball Hall of Fame's remembrance of Roland Heeman, who passed away earlier this week. You can upgrade your game day experience in 2022. The Guaranteed Rate Club includes in-seat service, parking, and unlimited food and beverage. Ticket packages start at 20 games. They include flexible payment plans and 2022 postseason opportunities. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. You can also get the latest team gear to rep all season long at the Chicago Sports Depot. Be good for Christmas. Be sure to follow the White Sox store on Instagram for series sales and more. For store hours and information, visit whitesox.com slash depot. Thanks to Tyler Aki and Jake Cantu. Thanks to Mark Gonzalez, our guest. The boys are next with the hockey show. Pat Boyles here, Brian Hanley as well. I'm Connor McKnight, and we will talk to you on Christmas morning. Nothing goes with Christmas like White Sox Weekly. Looking forward to talking to you then. It's ESPN 1000.